doors up before the dawn. Classic rock, right? And I really have enjoyed my stay. Or what? But I must be moving What do you think on. the response was when Supertramp first came out and released stuff like this? Because it's a little different like sounding, you know? Where people like, hey, this is quality rock and roll. Or was it called something else? This feels like it could be Yacht Rock, too. Yeah. Just those. I believe in John's joints where John goes through the news stories of the day. Rolls them up in tight little blue rolling papers like he likes to do. Uh, we'll all inhale, learn a little something, and underneath it, I'm going to play lullaby versions of popular songs. I get to look at his beautiful, naked face every day now. While losers like me still wear glasses. John, tell us about the GOAT and LASIK. Uptograph Laser Vision. We are so lucky to have Uptograph Laser Vision and Dr. Uptograph locally here. Because imagine if you wanted the GOAT and you lived in Alaska. You'd have to fly all the way to St. Petersburg, Florida. But we've got Dr. Uptograph right here. He performed my LASIK a week ago. Or no, it's been, I guess it's been two weeks now. Good God. It's been two weeks already. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I feel completely great. I'm very, very excited because tonight will be my first big concert experience without glasses, and it's also seems like it's going to be raining. So no worry of drizzles in my eyeballs or having to bring a little eyeglass wipe. I will be free as can be seeing with 2020 vision, thanks to Optograph Laser Vision and Dr. Optograph. I went in for the procedure. I was in and out about three and a half hours and feeling great the next day. We took a road trip the next day. I was out and about uh, doing everything I like to do just within the next day. So get yourself the procedure if you want to see clearly because they're offering a thousand dollars off right now the consultations are free so call 727-551-2020 or book online at www.lasic the number four me.com so the, I, I, one thing that i wonder about with the vaccine craziness everywhere is we we'd like to dig into the kind of the social element of it where people are disowning people and you you can't go certain places without it and that's now that's we're going through this initial feeling of people need to get vaccinated now right so i often wonder will this be a yearly battle that we fight where okay let's say that i got vaccinated this year and i'm in everybody's good graces and i can go where i want to go and my yeah. friends don't hate me but what happens next year what if I don't get vaccinated then, do I then go back to being one of the unvaccinated scum? Or what if I don't get the booster when they tell me I should get the booster? Does that mean that I might as well just be unvaccinated? Will people judge me the same? I don't know. Well, if you're looking for answers from the federal government in some capacity, I've got a couple. An influential federal advisory panel has soundly rejected a plan to offer Pfizer booster shots against COVID-19 to most Americans. The vote Friday, 61 to 3, was a blow to the Biden administration's efforts to shore up people's protection against the virus amid the highly contagious Delta variant. Over several hours of discussion, members of the Food and Drug Administration panel of outside experts voiced frustration that Pfizer had provided little data on safety of extra doses. And they complained that data provided by Israeli researchers about their booster campaign might not be suitable for predicting the U.S. experience. So I know that currently they are offering the boosters to people that are at high risk, but the FDA says we don't feel comfortable 
because we're just not sure how safe it is to say that everybody should be up for a booster. So huh. I don't know where the people will land on that. Maybe I don't know if they can trust the science there. I hate the idea of having to be vaccinated every year. I mean, my thought process this time around was get through this round of insanity. And I don't know if maybe that'll just never go away. But the idea of injecting something into myself one, two, three, four times a year, like that's never going to sound good. I don't care what you tell me is in there and how healthy it is. I just the cycle of being injected with things, unless it's hot beef, doesn't uh, sound good to me. No, me either. I I thought initially that they did this because of the report last week that were the impoverished nations were saying that it's not fair that the U.S. gets boosters when a lot of them haven't even gotten vaccines yet. So, and I'm not looking to go way into this because I don't know the the details of why it is the way that it is. But I do look at America where people hate our medical system and they hate the insurance system and everything that comes along with it. and And I totally agree with that. I just wonder what makes it so that we've got so much here and everybody anywhere can go and get vaccinated in a place like Canada that that often touts their their medical system is everybody who needs medical care can get it. They're they're having a tougher time with the rollout of the vaccine. So I almost wonder if from the perspective of somebody who might support the vaccine, does our evil system and us being so deeply in bed as a, as a nation with big pharma and the insurance companies, does, does it almost lend itself to getting this big pharma vaccine to more people than a country like Canada yeah. who tries to steer clear of, of being paid off by those same companies? I would say follow the dollar signs. Yeah. And if it makes dollars and cents that these big pharma companies could make money off the vaccine, that's why everybody gets a vaccine. So when I was in high school, I played football, and I don't know that I loved it. I don't know that I really did love it. I, I loved everything that came along with it. I loved the camaraderie of it. But I remember a lot of times just being like, I'd rather be doing something else. And as I got older, it was probably chase girls and smoke weed, but still, I just never really loved it. And it, and it was instilled in me at a young age, never, ever quit. Like, if you start something, you should not quit it. And, yeah. and, and I respect that to a certain ex- extent, okay. but... A California football coach has gone completely viral. He's got over 1.5 million views on Twitter for his positive reaction in response to one of his players quitting the team. Kurt Hines is his name. He's a fifth-year coach at Coronado High School. And in a September 15th tweet, an unnamed player quit the team, and he posted about it on social media, and it's getting a great response, and I thought it was really cool, and here it is. I just had a young man come in and quit, and I couldn't be happier. I truly could not be happier. This young man was, was struggling all season with, with making it to practice, with committing, never looked happy. Uh, some stuff going on, but I couldn't be happier because he came in, things washed, shook my hand. I said, sit down for a minute. And he started to explain, you know, his family's always been a football family. They've always loved it. My father and my brother. And I stopped him. I said, do you love it? And he looked at me and he just breathed this deepest sigh of relief and said, no. So I'm proud of you. And I just saw his whole countenance change. He just smiled from ear to ear. He said, you're doing the right thing. Football is not for everyone. Couldn't be happier. Coaches, support your players if they want to be great. And if they want to be great in something other than football, support them just the same. Take what's worth, stay strong. Dude, who would be upset about that? He's encouraging kids not to do things to which they don't find joy. No, I don't think... I think that's a rare train of thought. I oh, mean, yeah. from coaches. And, yeah. and I think that it's just, depending on where you are and if football is is that ingrained in the society, I don't know what it's like here inside some of the locker rooms. You look at places like Texas, and I think Florida has a lot of it too, where football is life. 
Yeah. Football is life. And it really is. It's, uh, it is life not only for the coaches but for the parents, and that's the path that, that a lot of times parents expect their kids to take. And hopefully this is a train of thought that, that – carries through to other coaches and maybe isn't as uh, rare as you'd like to think. But, uh, hey, if your kid doesn't want to play football, don't make him. Yeah, if you're involved in something that does not bring you joy but you think you have to do it because of other people's expectations, you owe nobody else anything but yourself. Find your joy. You answer to yourself. So we here have uh, Drew Garabo live have really dug into the uh, the case of Gabby Petito and where uh, she might be. Um, still not a lot of news. Uh, I, I think for the most part, we stand in the same place uh, that we did yesterday. Uh, Brian Laundrie still not speaking. Uh, there are now people, at least last night in Northport, who are uh, protesting or picketing or whatever the hell you want to call it outside, outside of uh, his home. I don't think he's there, by the way. I don't know if you heard the Northport police officer was asked, is he home? And his response was, I know where he is. So they're all standing outside this house, and, and I don't even think that he's there. Uh, but Brian Laundry's sister, Cassie, mm. spoke out to ABC7, and um, I don't know what you would expect her to say, uh, but here's what she had to say in regard to Gabby and her brother not talking. All right. Me and my family want Gabby to be found safe. She's like a sister, and my children love her. And all I want is for her to come home safe and found, and this to be just a big misunderstanding. He always does the right thing, like in the body cam. He's, he's a, he cooperates with the police, and he he's a wonderful uncle. He's always been there when I need him. Like he's, I mean, he's been there every time Gabby's needed him. So, I mean, I don't know what else you expect a family member to say. Um, I, I, I'm as confused now. Like, I don't think that there's any clarity coming. Like, every day, you, your mind can go to different places. I will tell you, after the last 24 hours and just seeing how blind everybody has been towards this guy without even accepting the possibility of something else, it's made it's pushed me over to the side of, what if nothing is as it seems? I mean, right. on paper, knowing what we know, him not talking and, and her parents pleading for help, I think you think with your heart. You automatically go, these poor parents, how could he not say anything? But when you know nothing, you don't know what you don't know. And and who's to say that it wasn't her? Not Not saying that she is a killer or whatever, but that she did whatever she did and he is trying to protect her or he knows something that's not so favorable about her. Right. I just think that without knowing much, everybody should be open to, to, to everything at this point, rather than standing outside of his house begging him to talk when yeah. what he might have to say might not be what you think it's going to be. Come clean, Laundry. It'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, the less people know, instead of meeting it with inquisitiveness, they're responding with anger. Yeah. And, you know, just instant judgment. Too much of that uh, that cats thing. Uh, uh, yeah, don't, don't F with, with cats. cats. There, there really is. I yeah. started going down a rabbit hole last night on that Web Sleuth site. And, I mean, the, what people are, you know figuring out on their own or think that they're figuring out on their own is is just absolutely insane without actually knowing anything. Let the cops do their work. And, and they have to know so, so much. I mean, you've got now the FBI is involved. You're working across pretty much probably the entire country. If, if they don't know oh, yeah. exactly where she is and he hasn't told her, they could possibly be looking from here to the Grand Tetons on a trail. So with that many people involved, I'm sure they know more than we could ever wrap our head around. Uh, so 
It's actually, it's getting to be a lot with how much people think they know while they know nothing. Yeah. That's, we admit we don't know anything. We just like speculating. That's kind of becoming part of the new story is, 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 yeah. is people trying to figure out what's going on. We had a recent story like this where a man kidnapped his wife and then pretended to be the one to rescue her. It's, it seems to be a trend because in the span of a month, we've got another scenario just like it. A Georgia man has been sentenced to 70 years after attacking his wife while wearing a disguise, then pretending to be her hero. The Cherokee County Attorney's Office charged Rodney Metzer with 14 different counts related to the New Year's Day attack, including kidnapping, assault, threatening with a handgun, and leaving her bound. Metzer pleaded guilty and was sentenced on August 4th with the first 25 years of his sentence to be served in confinement and the remaining 45 on probation. The bizarre incident started on New Year's Day when Morgan, who was discovered uh, from Rodney Metzer only a month earlier, woke up to find a masked man standing in her bedroom doorway. The man's voice was distorted and he attacked her, beating her with a gun. He then tied Morgan's hands behind her back and put a pillowcase over her head before before leaving her on the back deck of the home. Morgan told Fox that she could feel the man's finger on the gun's trigger and that he strangled her twice. On his way out, he kept saying, you messed up. You're going to be fine, but we can't say that about your ex-husband. You're really going to miss him. Rodney Metzer claimed to arrived at the home shortly after and found his ex-wife tied up with zip tie handcuffs. He called the police and attempted to comfort Morgan while they waited. Police did not hesitate to say something was off about the scene. In sequence of events, Rodney Metzer told officers that he had gone to Morgan's home because someone had tapped on his apartment window and yelled her name. More bizarre than that, the intruder took only one thing, her cell phone. Dude, you got to really, man, you got to have a lot of faith. I'm so blown away by so many criminals who have such self-confidence that they can do something like this. Right. Something that seems so blatantly stupid and easy to get caught. These people, that's a narcissism thing probably, right? Where they think they're so smart that they can beat, strangle, and tie up their girlfriend to be the one to rescue them, and nobody will ever figure that out. Yeah, it is a narcissistic thing because they never, ever dot all their I's and cross all their T's. They always leave something uncovered, and uh, and they get caught. So if you've learned anything on the show today, don't kidnap your wife or girlfriend uh-uh. and then pretend to rescue her. Yep. It's not going to end well. Yep. Don't do either of those. So we talked about whether or not this could or couldn't be true earlier in the week, and now we're getting uh, some more answers. Head of the United States Central Command, General Kenneth McKenzie Jr., announced uh, today that it is unlikely any ISIS-K members were killed in a Kabul drone strike on August 29th, which led to multiple civilian casualties. I've got the uh, audio of uh, of his statement here, uh, it's 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 hard to listen to. Ugh. Good afternoon. I'm here to brief the results of the investigation I directed following the report of civilian casualties from our strike in Kabul on 29 August. Having thoroughly reviewed the findings of the investigation and the supporting analysis by interagency partners, I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. I offer my profound condolences to the family and friends of those who were killed. This strike was taken in the earnest belief 
that it would prevent an imminent threat to our forces and the evacuees at the airport. But it was a mistake, and I offer my sincere apology. As the combatant commander, I am fully responsible for this strike and this tragic outcome. That oh. is so bizarre to hear. Oh. I mean, how 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 does that happen? And you I know just, that we don't know the answers. You just want to strike quickly instead of striking accurately, and you take some uh, half baked information that hasn't been vetted, and you want to strike out at those people that struck at us. But you got to do things right. Yeah, I think I, I, you nailed it on the head, and, and I, I I do believe there were those reports uh, that came out shortly after the disaster uh, in Afghanistan and how everything looked, where Biden was very clearly concerned with how things were being perceived. He wanted to make sure that they could could clean up the perception that things were bad. So after things had already been bad, people were already pissed. You know, that bomb, those multiple bombs that killed our military men and women, I do believe that it was we've got to let people believe or make people think that we're doing the right thing and that this isn't going unpunished. And it was it was just completely wrong. Oh, man. And and kids, too. Like, this is how you make terrorists. You 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 strike with a drone and you strike the wrong thing and you kill kids. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, if, if every every day, every week, we get another example of why we are living in a simulation. I've watched this clip a couple times, and it feels almost like a Dave Chappelle skit or something uh, that's not real. Uh, this is from, a, I believe, an Atlanta affiliate uh, covering the protest taking place outside of the CDC by Nicki Minaj fans. Oh, no. Go ahead. What brings you here? We are here because CDC has been lying to us for so long. Nicki Minaj fans in Atlanta say they trust her medical advice about the COVID-19 vaccine. Nicki, the queen of rock, stood up. Nicki, multiple platinum plaques, stood up and said, I'm questioning this vaccine and we should all question this vaccine. Fans even showed up to the Center for Disease Control headquarters on Wednesday in Durant Hills to show support for the platinum rapper's latest tweets. This one is for the boys of the boys. Whoa. Who needs a PhD when you got those platinum plaques? <laughs> I was going to say, did, did Nicki Minaj go to medical school? No, no, <laughs> but right. I mean, if you had on your just bizarre 2021 bingo card, Nicki Minaj siding with Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens, I mean, something is bold about her just defiant nature, but I... I I deep down feel bad because this feels like irreparable damage. Yeah. When, when I when we brought up Kanye West, I'm kind of shocked that he's been able to bounce back the way that he has after siding with Trump for so long. I don't think that Nicki Minaj is going to get the same luxury by really digging her heels in and kind of siding with Tuck. I mean, she, she's retweeting Fox News stuff yeah. as on the money and oh. burying other people. And I'm not take what I think out of it completely. Just knowing how strongly people believe in things, I think this is going to be tough for her to uh, to to wash off of her and, and, and to come back from. If we ever get to do come back from this, you know, this is our new reality. Yeah, that that that, that too. Uh, into the Tom Brady segment of John's joints. Mm. 
two pieces. Uh, Max Kellerman is a big butthole, and oh. I, I, I think that he was kicked off of first take because nobody really liked him. When he tried to do his opening segment on uh, morning radio, his mic wouldn't even turn on. Uh. He's trying to find ways to stay relevant after making one of the staunchest and hardcore statements about Tom Brady falling off of a cliff. Well, he's got a brand new show on ESPN in the afternoon, and what do you know? He opened it by trying to explain his declaration about Tom Brady from a few years ago. Okay. History of mankind, no one had ever been a great quarterback past the age of 42. And Tom Brady was like 40 when I said it, or something like that. I gave him 18 months to fall off the cliff. He has so smashed that, that it's it's crazy. He's so far of, out ahead of everybody who ever lived, it's nuts. And what I realized over time is, I he's transcendent. I was making the wrong comparison. I was just comparing people Tom Brady to people in his sport. But if you look at like Nolan Ryan and the number of years and innings he pitched and how late into life he pitched or Bernard Hopkins, the great middleweight champion who was still beating guys when he was like 50 years old. Those are the real comparisons I needed to be making for Tom Brady who could know at that time, right? I hate I, he, I hate Max. And it must be. It, I know that some people come off that way, and but they're kind of beloved. I get the feeling that nobody likes him. Well, Stephen A. did not yeah. want to work with him anymore. Stephen longer. A. didn't want to. When I listen to Levitard and those guys, they always clown on him. Like they're just. It's amazing to me when there are so few positions in that world, how Max Kellerman, even if once he's kicked off first take, he still rebounds. He's still now got his own show, which maybe to him, that's even better than being a part of first take. Yeah. He's got his own radio morning. He's part of the morning show now on ESPN's uh, lineup. So it's just interesting to me because he's not that he's so good. He's bad. He's just unlikable. bad. Yeah. Um, I, I've been fascinated by Tom Brady's relationship with Subway. Yeah. We, we uh, you know, we played the commercial earlier this week where they made it pretty funny, and they seem to be finding a way uh, to to make it work without him actually endorsing Subway. Uh, well, he was asked uh, yesterday at the Buccaneers uh, practice in the in the press conference about how and why he's endorsing Subway uh, because he doesn't eat bread. And uh, here's Tom's audio okay. for that. I mean, it's a sandwich, so I've always felt that way. I ate a lot of Subway in college. Um, I've kind of lived on Subway sandwiches in college. We used to have these little chip cards that we would, you know, the coach would give them to us when we didn't have training tables. So it was good when my buddies worked there because we got a little extra, you know, extra meat on there. And it was a, uh, it was pretty cool. So kind of part of my, uh, part of my past and part of my future. <laughs> but not my present. <laughs> I love that. I, I I love the the honesty that this was done with. I think that yeah. in the beginning it was just like, no man, that's not right. How are you going to take their money uh, and just be so openly against everything they stand for? But he has made it work probably better than anybody else would have been able to make it work. He's so charismatic. He really is. He's the man. And uh, lastly, an interesting case uh, and thought process that could set precedent around the rest of the country. The Pennsylvania Pennsylvania uh, Senate Transportation Committee is going to consider a proposal next week that will shield medical cannabis users from the state's zero-tolerance impaired driving penalties. So what it boils down to is that if you are high on weed and you're a patient, you wouldn't be punished 
for being high on weed, even if you're driving. Prime sponsor Senator Kamara Bartola said that state's DUI law doesn't differentiate between medical and recreational use of cannabis, leaving registered patients at the risk of prosecution. Nearly 368,000 medical cannabis patients are registered in Pennsylvania alone, and the proposal would amend Title 75 which is a vehicle code to remove medical cannabis from the law's definition of a controlled substance. Right now, as it stands in Florida, the same thing. If you get pulled over high on weed and you have a prescription for it, you could you could be in big trouble. Oh, just so you know. Thank you. Not saying that you that right. you ever would, but I I battle with that because I don't think even if it's medical that we should make separate rules. But 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 honestly, do you do you think that driving drunk and driving stoned, like where do those things rank? Is one drastically oh, better than the other? There are those that would tell you that driving impaired under any uh, substance is equally as bad. They are wrong. Uh, driving drunk to me way way worse than driving stoned. Yeah, and I'm not joking when I say this. I think a lot of people who are stoned and driving are focusing more on their driving than they do at any other time in their life. There is a hyper focus there. Yes, yeah. easier to be distracted. Sure. But, yes, there is a hyper-focus there. Yeah. I'm all burnt up. What? Exactly. Hi, Lori. Hi. Hi. I just had a theory about this Gabby thing, and Hi. I know everyone's throwing them out. Yeah. I thought I'd throw mine yeah, out. Sure. Why not? What if, you know, the two women who were killed close to where they were yeah. yep. found arguing, what if Gabby and her boyfriend had something to do with that, or just her boyfriend, yeah. and Gabby threatened to Why? turn them in, and he that I can't let that happen. Well, I would challenge your sexism and say, why does it have to be the boyfriend and not Gabby herself that was involved in the killing? No, and the, you I know? did say, I said both of them could have had something to do with it or maybe just the boyfriend. And Yeah, but what about got, maybe just her? Well, that could be too, but yeah. if it would have been just her, why would he kill her? I yeah. mean, she would be the well, one. We don't know that she's dead. That he killed her. We don't she's know that she's alive. dead. My God, that's reckless. 727-579-1025. We'll come back and take more cockamamie Gabby theories as well as great calls about getting walked in on while you're doing it. Next on Drew Garabo Live. Medi Weight Loss, the medically supervised program that can keep you accountable and keep you losing weight. Now, the average patient loses 6 to 10 pounds in that first week. It's a cleansing period. And once you get that little bit of extra weight off you, that first layer, you feel so good. You feel so motivated to lose more weight. Because when you stick to the plan, that's exactly what is going to happen. Now, they do accept some insurances at Medi Weight Loss. So make sure you find out if they accept yours because they're going to hook you up with the free assessment to get started. Go to startmedi.com slash 1025. It's com slash 1025. Or you can call 877-MED-LOSS. They've got locations in South Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, and Lutz. So hopefully one near you. Do tell them. You heard John Sending talking about it. Uh, Drew Drew Garabo live on 102.5 The Bone. Max Car lives right here on 102.5 The Bone. Sponsored by Advent Health.